There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. An Erio's original. I'm Leslie Arfin, and this is my show, Filling the Void, a show where I get to know my friends better by talking to them about the things that bring them pure joy, also known as their hobbies. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Filling the Void. Have you ever thought that you knew everything about tennis only to be proved wrong? Well, I've never thought that because I know nothing about tennis, but maybe you have. And if that's the case, listen to this episode, because Daniel Kahana knows everything about tennis ever, ever, ever. It's so beautiful to hear him talk about it. It's I can hear his whole heart and everything he says about this sport. And that's how you know Somebody loves, loves, loves something. They can sell you on an idea that had never crossed your mind. Well, tennis has now crossed my mind. First of all, tell me your full name and what your hobby is. My name is Daniel Kahana. Mm -hmm. I'm not Hawaiian. I know. I was literally just going to say, I didn't say it because I was going to be like, I know you're (laughs) not Hawaiian, but I was like, I was going to be like, Does anybody ever ask you if you're Hawaiian? Always. Yeah. Where's that last name from? It's Hebrew. Gorgeous. Mm -hmm. But before you ask, it's also not part of the Cohen group. It's like its own thing. Okay. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So your full name and your hobby? Hobby is tennis. And it's I I use the word hobby lightly because it used to be like, a big, 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 big part of my life. Right. And we're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Something I notice that's sometimes comes up as a little bit of a thread in this podcast is that people are hesitant to use the word hobby because it sounds uh, dismissive. It sounds a little like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Dilettante? Like, is that is that the right word? Like, it just sounds something like if you ha- can afford it. You have mm-hmm. a hobby, or mm-hmm. if you're retired, you have a hobby. On one hand, I feel like it's a little old fashioned, but on the other hand, it's like sort of like, well, this is what I like to do, but I'm not good at it. Or mm-hmm. I do think it know? has a bit of a connotation with not being good at it. Yeah. And it's just something you do for fun, even if you're not like necessarily skilled at it. Right. And I think people associate that word with that sometimes. Right. And then they're like, 
well, you know, I am, I do love doing needlepoint, but like I take it very seriously. Exactly. And I don't think, you know, it, it can be something that you're paid for, get paid for. It can be something you're not paid for. Like we have a family friend who's like a major, major, major bankruptcy lawyer, but on the side, he's like a shaman and can like read like <laughs> your spirits and your wow. ghosts and stuff on the side. Wow, what an interesting person. Um, can we get yeah. him on this podcast? You know, that's actually a great idea. I would love to talk to that's him That's a or fantastic her. idea. Or them. Really? He, yeah. So I also wanted you to just start with talking about like your childhood, where are you from, mm-hmm. where where you grew up, where you went to school, how you, when you first started playing tennis? Yeah. So I was born in New York City. Both of my parents met there. Um, and then due to a job thing, my dad kind of randomly ended up taking a job in Geneva, Switzerland when I was one. Mm-hmm. We went over there. My mom went kicking and screaming, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of typical New York Jap who hadn't really, you know, <laughs> gone out of like, you know, her bubble. Yeah. Where's um, your mom from? New York, New, New Jersey, York? New York. Okay. New York. Um, and, you know, they thought they were going to go for a couple of years. And lo and behold, uh, they were there. My mom's still there. They're yeah. divorced now. Um, and so I think that, you know, definitely. So you grew up in Switzerland. I did. And your little sister. And my little sister. She was born there? She was. Okay. So, but she, so she had to get citizenship. We both have citizenship. How did she get it so easily? Well, we I'm just both. kidding. I don't know if she got it easily. <laughs> both took, we, we both got it when I, I think I was 16. But you were born 14. here. Yeah. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you went to an international school in mm-hmm. Switzerland. So you speak. I speak French, and then my Spanish is basically fluent as well because we have to take three languages there: German, Dutch. Um, you you can. It's kind of they at my school. It was kind of like Spanish or German. Do you speak German? No, but I can like navigate a website in German if I need wow. to. Wow, yeah. what do most people speak in Switzerland? German. Um, right? German's probably like seventy something percent. Uh-huh. Um, French is like twenty something percent. Mm-hmm. There's also like four percent Italian mm-hmm. and a fourth language that only one percent of the population speaks. But it is very Which is... Segre- Romanche. It's like a combination of the three. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. wow. I know. Do you know it? No. <laughs> is it really hard? It must be really hard. I guess, but it's kind of like not that relevant or helpful totally for me to like learn yeah um but it is very segregated so like in the french part i feel like you're better off speaking english than german and in german mm. the german parts better off speaking english than french does everybody in switzerland or like do most people speak english um i don't i definitely in like the big cities where like geneva where i grew up it's like over 40 percent international yeah so like a lot it's kind of like the common language in that sense but you know, I, I think that if you if you can get around with English pretty easily there. So how old were you when you first started playing tennis? Or was there another, were there other sports that you got into first? Or how did that all come together? I think that, you know, when you're a kid, like your parents like to throw you into a lot of different activities to see what sticks. I'm sure you can relate with Mary. Um, kind of like, you know, some things you like, some things you don't like. Um, tennis was just something that I kind of like, I I did it because, you know, I had a couple friends that were in a group with me and that was mainly the reason. I don't think I necessarily took to tennis as as being like super into it or fascinated by it right away because I wasn't very good at like sports growing up. I wasn't very coordinated. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I was always like the last to be picked in gym class Mm. and, um, 
tennis was just something that just so happened to like, I like the coach, right. which is a huge thing. Yeah. I think it's like who, who your coach is. And, you know, I enjoyed playing it with my friends, but I think my friends started taking it more seriously. So I kind of, you know, followed that. Mm-hmm. And then also growing up in Switzerland, that was when Roger Federer was coming up, mm-hmm. which was huge. Um, and, um, yeah, I also just loved, started to enjoy really watching it on TV. I think I was like eight or nine mm. when I really started like, you know, following it on TV was always on, um, a lot of women's tennis, especially Eurosport or ESPN had the rights to like all the women's tournaments. And I think that on a very, if you, if you go very like deep, if you try to analyze maybe why I gravitated towards tennis, I've thought about that a lot lately. Um, I think there's two reasons. I mm-hmm. think that, you know, as a future gay person mm-hmm. and um, someone who like maybe, you know, I didn't have that many friends. I wasn't always, you know, I wasn't picked first to be on a team, those kinds of things. I think that tennis attracts a lot of gay men, especially one, because it's an individual sport mm-hmm. and you kind of you can do that without anyone else breathing down your neck without anyone else telling you that you passed the ball badly without not being able to be picked. You can go out there on your own and do your thing. Mm -hmm. And also is that, you know, tennis is the sport um, where women are treated basically as equals. They get the same airtime. A lot of tournaments have the same prize money, all the biggest tournaments. It's, you know, equal prize money. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we attribute that to Billie Jean King and we can go back. It's the 50th anniversary since she founded the WTA tour. Amazing. Um, But I think, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, gays love a strong female lead. And intrinsically, I think we're just kind of like drawn to that. Again, I don't think that's necessarily the reason for everyone, but I do think that, you know, tennis has that aspect that I think caters to, you know, to kids that, you know, didn't necessarily feel like accepted in the same way growing up. And so as you were getting older and you and your friends were taking it more seriously, you know, kind of, I guess, by proxy, you were with them and your friends and you loved your coach. Were you like, oh, I'm actually good at this and kind of better? Like, did you feel competitive? Not at all. I Mm. still, tennis was just like anything else where I really struggled to, um, you know, perform. I wasn't a natural athlete. Right. And at the end of the day, I think that I was, it was the thing I was the best at Mm -hmm. compared to everything else, but I didn't necessarily think that I was special or Mm -hmm. particularly talented. When I was 10, I started playing competitive tournaments because my friends started doing it as well. And I actually lost my first 13 ever tournaments in the first round, Mm. spanning over a year. And um, But you didn't give up. I didn't give up. Because you loved playing it. I enjoyed playing it, and I knew that I could do it. And Mm -hmm. I think it was a confidence thing, too. Um, And it was kind of like one of those things where it's like once I started to gain confidence in tennis and started to win mm-hmm. that kind of translate to all other sports. And now I feel like I'm pretty natural um, at, at most sports and can pick things up pretty easily. That's amazing. That's so interesting. Cause I suck at sports and <laughs> I never had that. I don't know if I ever, I mean, part of it is like, maybe if I, loved something or had a coach or a teacher who I loved in that area, maybe I would have enjoyed one specific sport more, but 
I love that you say that because like, it really just goes to show that like, I mean, this is like corniest motivational poster thing I'll ever say, but like people really can like do anything. You've said cornier. I have. You have. Dare to dream. <laughs> Probably. Hang in there, baby. <laughs> um, No, but it's true. Like I was, I never thought of myself and still don't think of myself as like a good math student. But I had an amazing math teacher, Mr. Cascone, and I had him for more than one year, and I got A's in math. Now, I don't necessarily think I'm great at math, but I didn't hate it. It wasn't mm-hmm. my least favorite. And people were always like, oh, like, especially my family, like, we're like, women aren't good at math. We don't, our people in our family aren't good at math. We're not, that's not who we are. It's not who we are. It's like this narrative that's <laughs> just kind of not true. Same with athletes and like doing sports now, but you did enjoy playing it enough that you were, and you enjoyed watching it. Like that's major. Yeah. I think that says a lot. And so you started, you're playing competitively. You lost your first 13 games and then you started winning. And around how old are you now? Like when that started to happen? I think when I things started to click, I was probably like, 12, 13 mm-hmm. out of middle school. I think a big turning point is going back to coaches. Like when I first started, when I was very like five, six, seven, I had a coach that I really liked. But what happened was, is that two of my best friends played at this club in Geneva called Drizia. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like one of the cooler clubs. Um, there were these cool Italian coaches. Okay. This Italian coach, Cedric. <laughs> Cedric. Um, and they, he adored my friends. Uh huh. Um, but he had a problem with me. Interesting. And, hmm, you know, maybe a little too familiar. Mm-hmm. Much. Yeah. I mean, I think it was very much a homophobic thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I remember That's what I'm one saying. time, like, he was probably gay. Mm, probably. That's, That's most homophobes <laughs> are. Just um, in case you guys listening, anybody who's like a huge homophobe <laughs> listening to my podcast, I want you to know you're fucking gay. <laughs> Like, you're probably homosexual. Take a look at that. Um, But yeah, I even remember, like, once, like, I hurt my hand or something, and I was, like, looking at my fingers, and he's like, oh, did you break a nail? Oh, my God. Mm. What a fucking motherfucker. So you were like, fuck this guy? It kind of didn't happen that way. I think that was kind of a breaking point, but kind of what happened was is that at this point, I was actually better than my two best friends. Like, I would beat them consistently in tournaments. Mm -hmm. I was kind of... But the thing is not in practice because the thing was is that Cedric didn't really nurture me in the mm-hmm. way everyone else it, mm. he did with everyone else. Like they got to be part of the elite group called Espoir, which is like the hopefuls. Oh. And they would be part of like this four hour thing on Wednesdays where like you would train and then you would do um, physical training as yeah. well. And this is not, I don't mean this in, you know, a sexist way or anything, but he made me play with this girl who was two years younger than me. Wait, just he- with her. And he excluded you. Mm-hmm. He put all of your friends mm-hmm. in there and then excluded you and this other girl. Did he give a reason? No. Did your mom but, ask? Right. So, so the thing was is that it was like I tried to get more, le- more, more trainings in on the schedule. They wouldn't mm-hmm. really accommodate that. And clearly there was an issue. But in my head, I was and like. And you weren't well, even out yet. No, I was like 13, 12, Ugh, 13. You know and what? I was just like, this fucking makes my blood boil. And it, when looking back, it's even more frustrating when you kind of like put the pieces together. But, um, you know, I kind of was reluctant to leave the club because it was like, 
my two friends were there cool. and like it was the cool club and this coach was cool and like he still like was coaching me but one day i was just so frustrated and upset and like i wasn't someone who showed that much emotion growing up but like i got into the car with my mom and i she could see how upset i was about the whole situation and you know my mom was very very hard on me growing up um like i how think so you know, I, I think that she didn't want me to be soft. She could tell that, you know, I maybe was, I don't think she knew to the extent that I wasn't fitting in, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, she's very hard on me. I think she thought that, you know, there was a bit, she wanted to toughen me up, not mm-hmm. the, like the boy who cried wolf. I also was a difficult child. Um, not mm-hmm. in the sense of like breaking rules, but in the sense of being like annoying and like <laughs> demanding. Um, but, um, I think that, um, like I'll always remember like once I was, she, she's going to hate that I told this story, but she tells it all the time. So it's okay. But it was like, when I was like 13, 14, we were like skiing and like, I was part of the skiing group and like, I was having hip issues. I couldn't move. I was on the top of the mountain. I was supposed to do a race in a few hours. And I was like, I can't do this race. Like I can't move. And I called my mom and she was like, I'll put yourself together. Just get down the mountain. Like you're being ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. And she comes She's like really annoyed, comes, picks me up and makes me ski down the mountain when I can like barely move. And then turns out I had some sort of like liquid in my, <laughs> oh my, in my God. I was in the hospital for a week. I don't know. <laughs> she oh like, my God. We'll never let her live it down. <laughs> but, you know, she kind of got in the car and she was like, we're done with Trizia. She's like, get, get in the car. We're driving to Carouge, which is the club, you know, five minutes away. Uh-huh. And we're going to go into the office and we're going to try to get you some coaching there and we went in and they were kind of like "Mm, we're like very full but we'll see what we can do maybe my mom was like we just want one course we just want to get into one thing and a week later he called us it was this guy um lucien machere he was like 80 years old and like running the junior program at this club was like his entire life right he was very um he was a very interesting character and you know we got that first lesson i did well they liked me and little by little started adding um, mm-hmm. courses and I started getting integrated into like the competitive group there. And mm-hmm. the rest was history. I think by the time I was like 15, 16, I was like, cons- like I was winning like probably over 80% of my matches. Mm. Um, I qualified for Swiss nationals a few years in a row for my age group. Um, and it was like, I, you know, it just became normal to be like good and winning. And wow. it was it was really cool. I don't think I fully appreciated it back then. Um, but yeah, I was You don't good. think that you did? I don't know. I think I or was just you, confident and just right. got, you were like, and got the job done. You were like, yeah. this is, of course. So did you guys ever play matches against other people from the other club and Cedric's? Of course. And Cedric saw I you? I was undefeated against most of the kids there. Right. <laughs> and Cedric would come to sometimes when I played like my best friend who still played there, Cedric would come to the matches as the coach and I would, you know. You'd be like, I would like I'm hi, not, how I'm are not, you? Yeah, obviously I'd be like, hmm. And, and you'd win. I Of course, because I wasn't losing, not because I didn't want to lose the test match, not because I wanted to be my my friend, but because I wanted to <laughs> shove it in his face. Of course. But you know, I also think that whenever I played my friends, I think a lot of people find it harder to play their friends. Mm-hmm. Even like professionals will, might talk about that. Venus and Serena having to play each other. I didn't like losing to my friends. Yeah. I think my my first ever match that I played when I was 10 was against one of my best the, one of those two best friends and I lost like 7-6 in the third this really close match and everyone at school knew that we were going to be playing and um it was a whole thing and I lost by like 2 points in like a 3-hour match and I was like devastated and mm. I was like never again. Mm-hmm. And right. that was it. I like won I think I played him like 7 more times and I never lost. 
Wow. So here you are winning everything, killing it, and you're about to go to college. Mm -hmm. So were you like, I'm going to play, I'm going to go to college on a tennis ride? I think what was interesting is that it didn't really cross our minds in that way because my, you know, I was growing up in Europe. It's not the same mindset in the States. When you're good at a sport immediately, it's like everyone's clamoring around this, like Mm -hmm. college, college, either you're going to get like a ride or you're going to play for a top school. This is how you're going to get into an Ivy league, like all these things. And I think that that mentality and that mindset isn't prevalent in in Switzerland. Sure, my parents were American, but they were very like education focused. They Mm -hmm. always wanted me to go back to the States for education. Mm -hmm. It's very important to them. And to them, it was just like they wanted me to get into the best school possible. Um, And like tennis wasn't really a consideration. I didn't think I was going to go pro. I thought that like maybe when I was 16, there was a moment when I wasn't happy in high school um, of like maybe going to like some sort of academy. Mm Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think deep down, I was just scared. I didn't have the balls to do it, mm. um, to just uproot my life again when right. I was like there for so long and there was only like a few years left. Right, right. And then what happened? And then my last, it was like about a year and a half before the end of high school, I had like an injury that kind of um, messed me up. It was like a freak thing where I was like at a party and like I like fell back and sat on like an armrest of a couch, but it was like rock hard. Mm. And I like, really really like injured my tailbone oh of weird all places. and it was like for several months i couldn't bend and hit a backhand Oof. and once that recovered i got the yips which is something i wasn't i it, i did not know until watching ted lasso season two what mm-hmm. the yips were and what had happened to me i didn't understand tell but me because like i don't know this mental thing where the ball would come to my backhand it doesn't matter i was completely fit and I would pull the racket back, and right as I was about to hit the ball, I would just freeze. And the ball would just, if, if it connected with the racket, it would just dribble in front. And there was, it was just a mental block. Wow. And I couldn't explain it. I couldn't really understand it. And I didn't even know what the concept of the yips were. And then it was like, literally, I was actually in your house when I was house-sitting for you. I was watching Ted Lasso season two. And I was, it all clicked for me all these years later, what happened. Wow. And it really wasn't ever the same. And like... I was kind of I was kind of burnt out at the same time but at that point it's like I got into college I went to college I didn't even play on the club team and it was you, kind of 4 years where I kind of lost you know touch with tennis and it was kind of like I took a step back and mm. like I would occasionally play but I couldn't feel my game I think that um it's really hard to go back into something that you used to be so good at and no matter what you know you'll never be as good as you used to be Mm -hmm. and it was very hard for me to reconcile that and to maybe just find the joy in tennis that i always had Mm -hmm. regardless like i still followed tennis super closely i still you know enjoyed watching but there was a part of me that it was just so hard to just get on there and knowing that i'll always be a fraction of what Mm. i used to be and it wasn't fun anymore Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. But you play now a little bit? Mm-hmm. I think a couple, uh, like a year and a bit after I moved to LA and it was kind of like, wow, like you can play tennis here like almost like any day and you don't have to worry about it raining. Like in Europe, it's always like, oh, we're going to play. And then, oh, it's raining. Um, You don't have to worry about that. Right. Um, There's so many courts and there's a lot of really good players. And it took me a while to like find some people that, you know, I wanted to play with. I think that um, when you're at a certain level in tennis. Yeah. It's very hard to play with people who aren't your level. Yeah. It's not as fun because it's an individual sport. Right. You know, it's not like a team sport where it's like everyone can play or right. running or whatever. It's like if the other person isn't near your level, yeah. it's not fun. So it was kind of like trying to find people who I thought who were like my level, but also I was kind of scared because I hadn't that I didn't have that confidence anymore. Right. Um and it was hard. Um, but I slowly started to like find people to play with and mm-hmm. started getting back in a bit of a rhythm and starting to enjoy it, but without taking it seriously. It's hard for me to play, like even for fun, like a little match or a practice set or mm-hmm. some tie breaks and not want to win every single point and just try to be like, oh no, this is just for fun. Right, 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 right. You know? Do you play every week? Um, yeah. I mean, I think like two years ago, I was actually playing like three or four times a week. I was getting really back in a, in right. a good place. And like I was during like, COVID during COVID. Uh-huh. What's interesting is that everyone started playing tennis in COVID. Yeah. Um, it's a it good like COVID, COVID sport. sport. Yeah. I used to be able to book a court day of in LA to go play. Now you have right. to plan like eight days in advance, at least if you want to have a court. Really? It's crazy. Where, it's crazy. What court do you usually play at? Um, I usually play in Plummer Poinsettia, which is like, I can walk to it, which mm-hmm. is amazing. But the courts here in, uh, on the east side in Griffith are amazing. They're gorgeous. Riverside? Um, Riverside, less so, but up in Vermont Canyon. It's literally like oh, a five-minute okay. drive. Yeah, Mary was playing on Riverside, but I've never been to the Vermont Canyon. I remember Canyon. Riverside, yeah. Oh, yeah, you came with me. I came. She asked, she's been asking recently if she can play tennis again. She want, Because her friend James plays it, mm-hmm. right? And so she wants to play with James. And there's two coaches there. One's coach Jake, who I think he's fine. But then there's coach John and she loves coach John. I love coach John. I just don't know if coach John is teaching it or coach Jake and like coach John like runs the program. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if he's teaching just like a regular little kids class. Like I think maybe you can like book privates with him or like that kind of thing. Yeah. I have to look into it, but I'm excited to hear that Mary's back into tennis. I will say not to, uh, this is not an advertisement, but I am in the middle of finishing up my coaching certification. Shut up. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when did you decide to do that? Um, It was about like six weeks ago. I had like been toying with it for a little bit. That's so cute, Daniel. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cute. You know, um, 
we're both writers. I think that sometimes, you know, life can get a little stagnant. I like to have a little bit more of structure. Yeah. And I felt like there was something missing. And I was, you know, I, I gave a lot of like lessons, you know, to friends and family um, during the pandemic when everyone was starting. And I did enjoy it. I found that like, I know what I'm talking about. I'm much better at like knowing what to do than doing it myself. Mm, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can be like, you're doing that wrong, knowing very well I do the exact same thing. But I think that... um I do enjoy it. And I, the joy that tennis had brought me throughout my life and still brings me, you know, wanting to like impart that on other people. Um, and just adding a bit of structure. I don't want to do it full time, but I do think that the tennis world, given how much of a passion I have for Mm -hmm. it, not just playing, but following it Mm -hmm. and like talking about it, Mm -hmm. um, the tactical aspect, you know, following the pros, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of just like wanting to share that with people, you know, I kind of just was like, that could be really cool. And I don't have to do it like full time, but you know, I think that like, if I were to find like a really talented junior and like able to like coach them to like, hopefully maybe play like college tennis or something, that could be a really fun dream of mine. You can dream bigger than that. Dare to, I dare you. you to dream bigger, Serena. I mean, I think that Richard Williams is really hard to live up to, but Mm -hmm. I can do my best. Who's your favorite player right now? Right now. Yeah. Okay, are we going to do men's or women's? Do both. both? Just do one of each. Okay, well, the men's, there's a lot of bad guys lately. And it's like, I'm trying not to cloud the judgment with like, who's cute or who's not (laughs) cute. So it's always tough to do that. Um, But, you know, Stan Wawrinka is still playing. He's Swiss. He's like 38 now. So he's, you know, on his way out. And it's like, but it's hard not for me to root for him. He's from Switzerland as Mm -hmm. well. Closer to where I'm from than Roger Federer. He has like a gorgeous one-handed backhand, mm-hmm. which not as many players have. Um, and he's won three Grand Slams, you know, against beating like huge players like Djokovic and Nadal. Mm-hmm. And um, he's had a really successful career. And of course, um, Andy Murray, which, you know, he's kind of the player that if you're not like a really big insider in tennis, you kind of like, I've I've found that people don't like him as much as like Nadal, Djokovic, mm-hmm. Federer, because he kind of has arresting bitch face when he's playing Mm -hmm. but andy murray is like such a gem Mm -hmm. and he is such a good guy and he's been also like the most vocal about gender equality in Mm -hmm. tennis you know he infamously will be like oh like so and so is the first american player to do this since that in in a press conference and he was like male player You know, or Mm -hmm. like, they'll be like, who do you like to watch play? And he'll always list women or like tweet about watching women. And just like, um, his mom, Judy, um, (laughs) was, I know we love Judy. Um, (laughs) she coached him and, you know, she had to overcome a lot, you know, as being a female coach. I read her autobiography recently, which is incredible. It's a fantastic read. It's funny. I just wrote a little thing just for myself kind of about her. Her name's Yelena Ostapenko. Oh my God, Daniel. Um, That is so She is this Latvian tennis player. Um, and she has a very interesting personality where like when she came onto the scene, she kind of had this. I don't give a shit like what I say sort of attitude. She'll just say it how it is. Um, and it rubbed people, rubbed people the wrong way a lot. You know, she wasn't the best sport. She might be like, didn't congratulate her opponents mm-hmm. when winning, didn't give great handshakes. And I kind of thought like, oh, this girl's such a brat. And then when she won unexpectedly the French Open in 2017, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is so annoying. 
But then over the years, I kind of like learned to really appreciate her because I realized that she didn't have any ill intent. Mm -hmm. She's not malicious. Mm -hmm. She just doesn't even realize that what she's saying is like she's just like socially cool. awkward maybe yeah i don't know but you know english isn't her first language right right and she's just her she's yeah. not trying to cater to anyone mm-hmm. and she just kind of like does her own thing and i love that mm-hmm. and she you know people will be like oh she's complaining about the calls she's making a face she's being a bad sport but i'm like i think that gives great entertainment value and mm-hmm. you know <laughs> going back to sexism I think that there is a huge double standard because, you know, there's this male tennis player, Nick Kyrgios, who is controversial, not just for his antics and his outspokenness, but like behind the scenes, there's been reports about, you know, not great stuff. But people are like, Nick is so great for the game. He's so great for the game. Like he brings right. the entertainment. But if Yelena Ostapenko is causing a scene on the court. Right. It's like, she's so annoying. Like, oh, shut up, Yelena. Right. I, it's so true. Like people love it when like, men get mad on Mm -hmm. tv and like cause a big fuss Mm -hmm. but like if a woman if a woman does it look out look out and so i'm so bored of it already aren't we over that it's like come on over it and like you know what but tennis is entertainment there should be heroes there should be villains there should be like we want drama and but the thing is is that What I really love about her is that, so the thing is with tennis is that I've kind of like gone all in recently on like the fandom. Like I'll start like tweeting from like, you know, my tennis account and Uh like all these things. What's your tennis account? Um, I mean, there's like, I have like 13 followers. I just started it. It's called Ball Breakers. No, no, no. It's I Break Balls. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a follow. Maybe I'll start tweeting more. Okay. Um. Because it's it's interesting because it's like, you know, I work in entertainment. Yeah. Like, I've seen really, like, famous people, big people, celebrities. And, like, you kind of get, like, used to it. It's, like, not really a big deal to me. I don't really get that excited about it. But if this random tennis player ranked 76 in the world, I saw on the street, I would freak the fuck I know, out. I know. You know? Because I'm, like, that's what I – that's, like, I kind of, like, have, like, really – dived into the whole tennis fandom and i started like buying all of her merch like uh-huh. from latvia like her 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 clothing brand follows me on instagram now Ooh. Um, i was like me and my boyfriend jack are huge fans of hers and does jack like, love tennis loves did you get him into it no he already loved okay that good, was like good, one of good. our things um, right right and like we like got like the merch and we were like we're going to get a repost from Yelena. Like we have to keep posting. And we got the repost. We were like, wow. See you in Indian Wells, biggest fans, whatever. She reposted us. Lo and behold, two weeks later, we were in Indian Wells and we went to go, we went to one of the outer courts to see Yelena play her first round match in doubles. It was on an outer court. We sat front row (gasps) and we were like, let's be so obnoxious. Like we don't care. So we're like (laughs) screaming at the top of our lungs. Like, and she, and we're wearing like her clothes with like her picture of her face on her. <laughs> we're just like i just wanted to go full in like i wanted yeah. to have this experience and she totally saw us and she was like giggling the entire match whenever she saw us oh my and god she was just like she it was a nod to like her fans like mm-hmm. she's like she's acknowledged us and it was like that that's was major fun. And, like, that's how you make fans it's interacting with us and yeah at the end of the game you know she 
She came straight up to us. Oh we stuck God. around. We didn't even have to call her over. <gasps> She's like, thanks so much for coming. I was like, you remember us from Instagram, right? You reposted us. And she was like, yeah, I remember. Oh and my she God. took a picture with us and well, then reposted it. You must have been it. freaking yeah. out. Like, it's not like an, oh my God, I can't believe it. How am I going to sleep tonight? It's more just like, this is fun. Like, I'm enjoying this. And I just like leaning in, like, I'll be a crazy tennis fan. Like, I don't care. Like, it's just, it's just a it's fun. Too late. That's you already are. That's where this enters like hobby territory. Yeah. You know, where it's just like, I'm- that's good, Daniel. Yes, that's good. It's fun. It's totally fun to go all in. Now I need you to tell me your favorite tennis fit. For me, mm-hmm. when I was like younger and, you know, I was playing the tournaments and I was super in it. It's like all the kids we wanted, like the outfits, the Roger outfit, the Nadal outfit. Like, uh-huh. When Nadal came out with his, like, in 2005, with his, like, capris, his, like, three-quarter shorts and, uh-huh. like, the sleeveless shirt, I had you want a drink? the identical – I'm good, thank okay, you. Okay, okay. Just making sure. You <laughs> I, had the identical outfit? I had the identical outfits. Everyone was, like, trying to emulate everyone. It was so fun. I had to, like, beg my parents to, like, <laughs> order from Tennis Warehouse. Like, <laughs> I really want this outfit. <laughs> um, but, you know, I like experimented with headbands. Oh my God, totally. Things. You went a little Andre Agassi mm. for a minute. But then when you get older, like even at the end of high school, it's kind of like, oh, I'm too cool for that. I'm just going to wear like a regular baggy, like white t shirt, you know, on the court. I'm too good. You know, I have like a small little backpack. I didn't want the accoutrement. I was like, I used to think that the bigger the bag, the bigger the tennis bag, the easier the match it was going to be for me, for my opponent. I was like, if they had this huge tennis bag, I was like, oh, they're all about the accoutrement. They don't know shit. But if someone came on with like a little dinky, like, backpack like with like the two rackets thrown in it i was like oh boy i'm in for a tough one um so i kind of like adopted like that these days i like to you know when i've like you know i'm i've been you know more comfortable being myself these last yes. five years um i'll like throw some stuff out like i have like a leopard print tennis outfit Ooh, like I what have, daniel I have some fun things. wait is it adidas or like I was, no off brand, like just a random thing. I don't like even leopard top, leopard shorts. I have both. You don't have to wear them together. But can't do wear you? Them together. That's kind of cool. You can't wear it too often because you got then the, the then novel, you're the leopard the boy. Like wears off. You yeah, know, yeah, you yeah. Wear the same shirt all the time. But you know, there's a lot of fun that 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 you can have with it. Um, yeah, I love that you're going out on a limb a little bit. Do you mm-hmm. wear polos like this kind of shirt that I'm wearing? Mm, not like as much because I feel like the polo is the more traditional thing. So right. It's like I'm trying too hard to put the, do the tennis look okay you know okay but you know i usually i like simple i don't love like designs than that anymore i'm like more like i love like a bright color like i love like a neon pink shorts uh-huh. and then like a gray top like yeah cute. just like fun colors or whatever but Very cute. um but yeah just throwing in if i see something fun like i will purchase that yeah obviously. as you should i bet you have really good court style thank you do you still wear sweatbands no no, no i don't do sweatbands why I just like to think that it's like. Do you wear wristbands for sweatbands around your wrist? No. And then I didn't know this until Mary started playing because she runs hot and her wrist sweatbands, she would just use it to blot her forehead. I didn't know that. What did you think they were for? Like your wrist getting sweaty. No, it's for your face. Yeah. Of course. So smart, but you sweat a lot. (laughs) Don't they help you? Yeah, I usually use just like my shirt or I bring a towel. Okay. Because like, Honestly, A, it's like I find it a little distracting. Right. And also, 
I used to when I was younger, mm-hmm. when I had all the accoutrement. Of course, I had every color wristband. Yeah. And then I hoarded them and never used them because I didn't want them <laughs> to be gross. Whatever. I had a collection, like whatever. Right. I still have shit from like when I was 10. Like my mom brought it over. She's like, get this out of my house. Okay. Can I have um, it? Yeah. For sure. I bet you such cute shit. I do. I have every vibration diameter you can think of. Um, that's like the little like rubber thing that you put on the racket so it Yo. doesn't vibrate as much. Oh, I never knew what that shapes. was for. Yeah. Um, not all wow. some people like it, some people don't. I have every color, every shape. I, <laughs> I had to buy this like variety pack of a hundred vibration dampeners as if I needed all a hundred because you know, you could use the same vibration dampener your entire life because they don't break or go bad. Um, but you needed all of them. Okay. Yeah. Let me ask you what's your like dream hobby. Ugh, I, 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 we're not going to get into this because this could be a whole other podcast. Because, but it's like I like to sing. Uh huh. Um, but not like in a right broadcasting it to everyone capacity. I recently, like in college, I kind of realized that, like, oh, I do have a really good voice, and mm-hmm. um, got that validation. I recently joined the Gay Men's Chorus of Los Angeles. Shut up, Daniel. <laughs> this is like all I want to hear about. Like, you <laughs> call me, and all you want to do is like goss. <laughs> about like n- no but like there's i have no goss i cannot believe that you joined the gay men's choir of la chorus chorus what's the diff honestly i don't know okay <laughs> so you're in a chorus mm-hmm. and you that's that's incredible when did you start doing this i auditioned like in november <gasps> and i started in january were you nervous? Yeah, I was so nervous. What song apparently- did you audition with? Um, Thunder Road, Bruce Springsteen. Ah, ah. Can you sing it a little for us right now? We won't look. Just sing it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. This is kind I'll of start. stressful. Oh, Thunder Road. Oh, Thunder Road. That's all I know. Lying out here like a killer in the sun. I know it's late. We can make it if we run. Oh, Thunder Road, stand tight. Okay, we're good. Oh, my God. I didn't know you had a deep, gorgeous voice. Well, that was the problem is that I used to always try to sing pop and I couldn't do it. And then this like opera coach like in college was like, no, you're a bass. And that just like changed everything. Um. In college, but I've known you since you've been out of college, and I didn't know this. Oopsie. Wait, just, can, when are you doing a concert? Well, we just had one. Why didn't but, you tell me? I don't know. Daniel! It was the first one. We were, like, dipping you, my like, toes. You, get so mad at me when I don't hang out. But I don't hang out. But I go, I show up for people's chorus concerts, motherfucker. Okay, okay. Well, I have a better idea. Our next one is actually Disney Pride. It's going to be in uh, Disney Hall. It's one of the first, it's like, I think we're maybe like the third chorus to do get this from Disney because it's all like specific show that they are having us do. And it's going to be in Disney Hall downtown. Uh Um, Are you doing all Disney songs? All Disney. (gasps) But you have to get, you have to have Mary come. Yeah. And then we'll see. I haven't decided if I'm auditioning for a solo yet, (gasps) but we'll see. Have you, so you auditioned, you were so nervous. Were you? Did you like, were you afraid for a second you weren't going to get it? Yeah. But you got because they it. Needed to, you had to do all these things like sight reading. Like I can't oh my God, read music how do very you well. Know? I don't, it's a whole thing. All right. Well, I guess that isn't your dream hobby because you're already doing it. I guess. It's insanity. Do you have one that you just will never do, but like you wish that you could do? Because I love, I, I want to 
you to do the singing, but I'm just curious. I think that something more like artsy, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's like painting or pottery or something, I've never, that's something that's never really clicked for me. Mm -hmm. I've never had that skill. Mm -hmm. Um, I have zero confidence in it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't have the steadiest hands Mm -hmm. and like (laughs) the greatest eye for that kind of stuff. And I wish I did. By the way. I mean, you're kind of like that. I, I have a friend who's like, a maker she just makes shit she can mm-hmm. make anything out mm-hmm. of anything and mm-hmm. it's like i'm like how the hell do you do that like i wish i could do that she like made like a dress out of cheetos like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> she did dare to dream yeah she made her dream a reality i'd love to see this cheeto dress <laughs> did she eat it <laughs> no it probably had a lot of glue on it probably well, thank you. This was amazing. I'm like, every single time you talk about tennis, I want to get into tennis. Well, I, not playing it, just watching it and like being involved. Well, yeah, you kind of wanted to be, you were talking to me about that. You want to like know the players, watch yeah. the fans. Well, when the French Open I comes like around, let's watch, let's watch, let's, let's have a day where we watch the French Open together. Okay. And you, you and Jack will like tell me everything. Everything. Okay. 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 All the goss. I love it. Like you want to have like people that you can follow. Yeah, exactly. That makes it more if I can root for somebody, Correct. whether it's a team or a person, like yeah. it's much easier yeah, for me we'll to get behind. Session. You have to meet Jack anyway. So we'll do the three of us. Okay. We'll immerse you in the experience. I can't wait. If you liked our show, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend. Filling the Void is a production of the Erios Network. Episodes are produced, engineered, and edited by Alex Paul. Original song by Michael Cassidy. Powered by ACAST. Erios. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.